so obviously, um, today is the first Sounds episode so of uh, The Fighter and The Chef. So we have The Fighter, Richard here, Richie, the Ninja. The and ninja. then uh, I ha- I'm the pseudo chef, Simon. Simon says wellness. And uh, today we will be talking about weight cut. So weight cutting. Weight cutting. Everyone's favorite. Every fighter's favorite. No, it co- comes with the op- occupational hazard, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess first question is, what do you crave uh, when you are cutting weight? There's a guy named George Lockhart, and okay. uh, he's got the whole weight cutting system down. He does most of the weight cuts for the UFC. Okay. And he might even become the person to like do set the standard for weight cutting so people don't like screw themselves over. Yep. But he says if you're weight cutting and you crave a burger over water, you're not weight cutting properly. Really? Yeah. Water is the only thing you want. Okay. Absolutely the first thing. And even better than that is like a fruit, frozen fruit. So usually when you're weight cutting just a kick uh Freshen that thirst up with just uh, pop frozen fruit in your mouth. Chill on that for like an hour or so, and you just repeat that until you guess they actually weigh in. Oh, so yeah. the, like the the frozen fruit in mm-hmm. the mouth keeps you going mentally. Yeah, so then mentally, that way- you feel the water under your under your tongue, so that kind of keeps you going. Plus, you get a little bit of sugar. So okay, and then it goes in this order: water, carbs, and then yeah, maybe some protein. But you just want water and sugar. That's it. Even chewing gum. It's like the best gum you ever tasted when you're weight cutting. Wow. Mm-hmm. So explain the whole process. Like when does it start? And then uh, like give us like the mental journey of it. Like uh, which day, what time, what segment does it get the hardest? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's obviously a lot of different ways to weight cut. Everyone does it differently. Uh, a lot of people, when I first started out, it used to just be going to the sauna or um, doing the salt bath for maybe the two days or one day before okay one day before is the most common practice and you just go in there maybe lose i'm 150 155 back then and you know it's common to lose five pounds or so so five to ten pounds for someone around my weight is pretty common for me five pounds is that middle ground and you'll lose that all the day before so you sit in the sauna just lose it, sweat it all out, do whatever you can. Shot a box with a sauna suit on and the sauna as well until mm-hmm. you lose the five pounds and then uh, you go and weigh in and then that's it, which is a very bad way to do it, actually. You really? want to, now that I have more experience, there's phases like the water loading. So actually three, four days before, you're supposed to load your body up with water. Okay. So it feels like it's way too saturated and mm-hmm. then when you actually sweat it sweats everything out and you sweat uh, a lot more than you would if you were just like normally hydrated oh interesting yeah so three four days out you'll water load um starts from like say the fourth day yep. start at around seven liters okay next day it's gonna be eight liters nine liters and depending on your body size for me it's like eight or nine it stops there yep once you're drinking nine liters for that day, you're pissing like every 30 minutes. Really? Yeah, it's just a very, very annoying process. So okay. like in the middle of work, seeing my clients, I'm like, sorry, I gotta go, <laughs> gotta go pee every 30 minutes, right? Super annoying. And then, uh, yeah, once you've water loaded, then you do that same process. It could be the sauna, the salt bath, and then that's like the hard part for sure. And most people will just go right when they weigh in, they just fucking splurge. Okay. They get just put down the water, put down the Gatorade, put down the Pedialyte and all that, which is what I did before myself, or put down the coconut water, doesn't matter what it is. Most of these drinks are too saturated with salt. 
Yeah. So what uh, George Lockhart talks about is like when you have a drink that's too much salt and your body is uh, very, very dehydrated, it's mm-hmm. actually going to suck more uh, water out of your cells because that salted solution is, uh, I think it's more more salty than your own cell, right? Or something like something along those lines. The osmosis is going towards outside of your cell. Oh. So it actually loses more more water. So when you first rehydrate, it needs to be the perfect amount of salt according to how much uh, water you lost the day before. Mm-hmm. So there's a way to calculate it where say you lost five, day, five pounds of water the day before, there's a certain amount of salt that you should be consuming the very first drink after the weigh-in so your osmosis doesn't get screwed up. Oh. Yeah. So now when I go into the weigh-in and I see people who's drinking what, who's drinking what, if you see someone that has their own drink made, yeah, they know what they're doing because oh. they tailor that amount of salt. Like there's there's supposed to be salt first of all, it's supposed to be BCAAs just to help the muscles regenerate faster, and uh, a little bit of and potassium that has to be a specific amount according to the water loss too. Oh, so sodium, potassium, and BCAAs you gotta have it perfectly tailored, and then but if you just get a generic Pedialyte, yep. those ratios are not right. It's way too high and it's going to kind of mess up the hydration in your body, which I felt before what it feels like to fight when you have uh, rehydrated yep. incorrectly. Yep. It, you go into the fight and you're drinking water, but for some reason your mouth is still dry or you just still feel really? dry okay. inside and your muscles are like, they're dry. They're just not moving. Like it feels very, very stiff. You feel very stiff still because your muscles not hydrated. So that's what happens when you don't uh, hydrate properly. So now you, I get to see who's really on their game. Um, even my opponent, when I see him rehydrate, I'm like, okay. you know your shit? No, you don't. Like, you know, you're drinking whatever it is, Gatorade or whatever it is, right? Uh, that has to be tailored specifically. And like, I'm just lucky. Joey from Combat Arts, you know, we do our research. We look at different standpoints. Um, okay. There's another guy, Gayton. He's uh, from Strong Athlete. Okay. He's opened up his own strength and conditioning place. We've kind of combined protocols to find that middle ground, and uh, that's what we use. But generally, what I explained there—that's uh, that's a pretty common practice among what we've researched, and that's that's how we do it now. Awesome. Yeah. So it's it's just it's part of the sport, right? Where like you need like, but realistically, weight cutting is just strictly water. Like you have to get yourself into fight shape beforehand right yes yes for sure like let's go one step further back how does that look like like when do you start because some some fighters are not always in fighting shape for sure right so then (laughs) they eat and then they they have to die down in camp yeah right exactly yeah so like what kind of process is that uh how does that look like because Mm -hmm. everyone builds muscle and loses weight at a different pace right Mm -hmm. so can you give us a little information yeah definitely any coach will tell you Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to be on your game, if you want to make the weight cut process as easy as possible, mm-hmm. you got to stay close to weight. That's mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. You know, right after you finish your fight, you, you just went through all the crap with, you know, weight cutting and, you know, all the stress of just the fight itself. Yep. A lot of people like to binge. A lot of people like to eat a lot of stuff. And uh, that could set you in the wrong direction sometimes if uh, you can't come back from that. You know, you gain five or ten pounds immediately after a fight. That's kind of a huge stress for your body as well. Oh yeah. So you want to, you know, say whatever weight uh, weight it is that you're fighting at, ten pounds or so at least 
close to that fight weight, right? I see. As long as you can do that, you stay lean. The weight cutting process is very easy. All you、mm -hmm. got to do is cut the carbs a little bit the last week,、mm -hmm. and then follow the water protocol, water loading, and then the weight cut is super easy. Okay. But if you're if you're way out, if you're still trying to lose fat or you're still holding on to fat,、uh, that's extra weight that you you just can't be losing, right? The fat's still there, and but you're dehydrating yourself,、mm. so、uh, you're you're gonna have to de dehydrate yourself more、mm -hmm. because you're holding on to more fat. Whereas if you have a very lean body fat percentage, then the water load will、uh, the water cut will obviously be a lot less, right? Oh, I、so、see. So that that's the bottom line. You just gotta stay lean.、Um, And、uh, everyone cuts carbs like、uh, right before that water loading period. So、mm. you know maybe the last week or two weeks, MMA fighters do a lot more. I'm sure they cut carbs maybe a month out from the fight、mm -hmm. uh, because they they do like ten fifteen pound cuts、uh, at least for someone around my my size. That's a lot. That's yeah, like more than ten percent. Yeah,、right? yeah, exactly. Well, around ten percent. That's、mm. that's. Significant, yeah, that's significant, and、uh, they do that with a lot of different. There's supplements to take too. Yep, dandelion root,、uh, uber ursi, all those things are to help you sweat more.、Mm -hmm. But、uh, the the key thing is the carbs. Yeah, for me, a typical stand-up fighter, you know, maybe a week out from the fight, you cut the carbs. That's、uh, that's your glycogen. You're depleting, so you lose the weight from losing glycogen,、mm -hmm. and then the weight cut is for the water, obviously. So you know that's how you stretch it to ten pounds or so for for me at least, right? So five pounds of water, five pounds of glycogen, boom, ten pounds. It's uh, and you regain that within twenty four hours after the weight. Wow. The weight, yeah. Okay, so would a fat fighter be? It's harder for a fat fighter to fight. Like essentially, like they have to, if they can't lose the body fat, then they have to change their weight class, right? Typically. Yeah. Yeah. If it's、uh, first of all, like if you don't make the weigh-in, it's possible that you, they'll just kind of push you out.、Uh, some organizations will allow some kind of leeway, like、mm -hmm. the uh, uh, Waco in here in Canada. They allow a six-pound, six-pound leeway.、Mm. So you just need to be six pounds within your opponent's weight,、mm -hmm. and、uh, they they'll let the fight go on、mm. like, technically. Unless one gym is just really not cool with it, and they're like, "No, we're not willing to do that fight," they can pull out any time,、okay. which is kind of frustrating sometimes as an, even an amateur fighter because, yeah, you're not getting paid for it, but you you still put a lot into it. A lot of people put out,、uh, you know, last two months of their time, absolutely, their effort. They wake up for no reason, and then, boom, the fight doesn't happen. It's very frustrating,、mm -hmm. you know. So. Uh, but but those are the rules. A, a fight fighter, yeah, for sure. If if you can't make the weight, either you're not gonna fight, or you can have you can make the decision to move up a weight class.、Mm -hmm. But by moving up a weight class, you're gonna be the smaller person in that weight class. I see. I see. So a little bit disadvantage, but some people do it. Some people can still pull it off. And I think for like the general public, they don't understand what a difference five to ten pound difference、mm -hmm. makes as far as like output. Yeah. Yeah. Strength, yeah. right? Like. Can you like put it into perspective? Like, what is between weight classes, right? Like, if we're talking、mm -hmm. about a five pound, ten pound, what's the difference? Like, how does it feel? Yeah, for it definitely feels a lot more when you're talking about Muay Thai or something with a wrestling aspect. So、mm -hmm. Muay Thai, there's a clinching aspect, which is I I would say it's kind of like wrestling, right? You're you're putting your weight on each other, 
you're trying to throw each other, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, with striking, it's not as much. You, the guy might hit a little bit more or he might not because his style is just not a hard-hitting style. So with striking, strictly K1 kickboxing rules, mm -hmm. uh, you might not feel that weight difference as much. Mm. But in Muay Thai, that's why if I'm doing a Muay Thai fight, I make sure I'm at the lowest weight class I could be in possible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because to clinch with a bigger person if they have like an extra 10 pounds on me but just for that extra little bit of that 30 seconds of clinching mm -hmm. it could significantly tire out your uh, endurance muscles really? and stabilize your muscles yeah once those muscles are out then you almost lose all your explosiveness it's weird even oh. though even though it's the stabilizer muscles that are really tired okay without those stabilizer muscles your explosive muscles your uh, prime movers cannot function as uh, as well right because everything works together so that's the main thing um you know i've had many fights in the past where i haven't worked on my clinch as much or i didn't know how to clinch at all mm -hmm. and uh the second i got into the clinch i was like Fuck, you can't punch at all oh shit and, yeah and that's why uh a lot of people bash on like when they see mma fighters yep. they're like man they're striking as shit compared to kickboxers and all that stuff but you got to consider these guys just fought on the floor or like they were just wrestling and yeah, jujitsuing on the floor yep. they stand back up and to strike right away it's a very difficult thing that um uh, a stand-up fighter has never experienced before oh. so that's why they're looking like they're swinging for the fences and all that because their muscles are just pumped and they're exhausted the endurance muscles are just kind of tapped out right so that's okay. why they have to move around a lot uh refuel it and uh get back in there when they can so conditioning is very important wow so th this is falls on the ground when people say like style makes fights mm -hmm. right um and wrestlers are notorious for cutting a lot of weight mm -hmm. so in that line of sport yeah. it must mean a lot Exactly. For, for, for the same reasons that I said, you know, I think that's why they cut so much because it's just uh, it's just constant, constant tension with something like wrestling, mm -hmm. something like jujitsu. Mm -hmm. There's constant tension being put on you. I see. And if there's an extra five or ten pounds constant being put on you for that five minutes, where's it down? That's a huge. That's like you know, that's twenty five percent of your your tank that could be fluctuating you know okay so let's t let's talk a little bit more about this uh the extra poundage right uh, recently you sent me an article that you wrote about skipping with weights on right right and uh, like a maniac you really advocate for uh 15 pound ankle weights which... 10 pounds 10 pounds okay i'm gonna make those 15 pounds though okay understand. i can't find any right now but if anyone finds 15 pound ankle weights let me know okay i'm willing to buy them send them to richard <laughs> please um but that extra five pound, it's it's a mm -hmm. whole different world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so explain, like, tell the audience a, t uh, a little bit about your epiphany that you had when you're skipping with the heavyweights. Right, right. Uh, with the heavyweights, it's the weight is definitely a factor. You know, if you've been skipping already, I recommend putting on those weights, and you'll kind of see what I mean because. Uh, if you're skipping, I'm doing this for aerobic purposes. So you also have to consider it's 30 minutes straight mm. that you're doing this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, put on, put on the ankle weights, do it for five minutes. Probably no problem, right? But 30 minutes straight, put the ankle weights on. And your mind just has to go in a different place for focus. Mm -hmm. Because no one likes fucking up on the rope. It's just really annoying. Yeah. Whips you a little bit, <laughs> you know, it stings. And uh, 
you know, you're, you're doing something for 30 minutes, so you need to get out of your head. You can't mm-hmm. get out of your head when the rope's constantly messing up, right? Yep. So it just makes you pay attention to more of the rhythm, uh, just the, the timing of the rope hitting the floor and when you're jumping, you know? Simple thing like that. It's just like breathing, you know? It's very hard to focus on your breathing for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of breathing, skipping is just another thing to focus on, right? So it's another form of meditation mm. to just uh, put everything aside and focus on the rhythm of the rope, mm-hmm. right? The second you lose focus, you know, you're skipping and you hear something happen in the back, boom, that's when you're going to mess up and your focus is off and you got to reset that meditative state all over again. So that's why I really like uh, skipping with ankle weights um, 30 minutes straight even uh, with the heavy rope as well. It's a heavy rope and I wear the mask mm-hmm. and just kind of like close off all my senses wow. and just focus on that, yeah. Uh, whatever it is, I, I think it would be a great idea if people could like maybe do it in the dark or because um, sometimes you can skip and I, I skip, I close my eyes uh-huh. just to cut the senses out and just be one with that rhythm, just nonstop oh. for 30 seconds and it helps with that meditative state. Once you're in that state, 30 minutes is done, I'm ready to do whatever. So ready any train. Any amount of weight will really like accentuate for the sure. rhythm and the feeling. For sure. It needs to be just challenging enough for mm-hmm. you, right? It can't be too challenging. Everyone talks about the flow state. Mm-hmm. Can't be too challenging, can't be too easy. So uh, one easy way to measure it is just use your heart rate. If your heart rate is just right in the middle of that aerobic range, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, 50 to 75 percent of your heart rate max so mm-hmm. for most people it would be like 130 to 150 beats mm-hmm. per minute mm-hmm. put your heart rate monitor on stay in that range for 30 minutes cut your senses out you know get into a meditative state and uh once you're once you're in that sweet spot it's just uh it's just perfect that allows you to become to that uh, reach that meditative state and um i'm sure your your training session whatever you do after Maybe even going to work. If you're not a fighter, if you're not someone in the gym, uh, your day will be much better after that. Yeah. So yeah, so I guess it's like forcing you to meditate while yes. you work out. Because some people, even though they work out, they're really not in that flow state exactly. mentality, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like the the, the muscle heads that just push ahead, kind of deal. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I think I'm sure. Uh, I can tell. I can tell when someone's in state or not, and. Bodybuilders, there's many people in state, many people not in state. You know. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, and everyone gets into it differently. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't criticize anyone for. Yeah, I don't agree with it at all. You know, it's very dysfunctional to be have that body. Yeah. But uh, I still appreciate what they do because when I see people who are really passionate about it. Yeah. You can see it in their eyes. I don't know what it is. It, you know, maybe they're just thinking about that single rep. They're thinking about their muscle being pumped up, and they just do it long enough. And they're in the same zone, mm. and I can I can feel that same zone. Mm-hmm. And you respect that, and when when people are in that zone, they do good things most of the time, right? Don't uh-huh. don't hurt anybody, don't cause no shit. You don't feel like doing drugs. You don't feel like partying on the weekend. You don't you don't need to yell at anyone. You're just in a perfectly calm state, a balanced, right? balanced state, man. Yeah, that's it. Balance for you, relatively. Everyone's got a different balance, but you need to find what's relative, relatively balanced for you. Okay. Well, we're coming up to the end of our segment. Um, last little piece, let's go over food-wise, right? Um, uh-huh. So when it comes to balanced food, what do you consider as a balanced meal? Because mm-hmm. uh, there's 
you know, the to quote Kung Fu Panda, right? Like the Dragon Warrior could decide on a single grain of ginkgo nuts for like <laughs> two thousand months or some shit like that. Like Those that's, ginkgo nuts, I'm down. That, that's <laughs> that's fiction, right? So, mm-hmm. um, uh, as far as for different athletic discipline, you think striking needs a different diet versus grappling versus uh, like athletes who are in endurance running or anything like that? Oh yeah, completely. Okay, completely. That's why I say um, just coming back to relatively balanced. What is balanced for an endurance runner is different than what is balanced for a sprinter. Okay, they're using different fuels. They're uh, they're training different. If the, if the fact that you're using different fuels, if you're using more carbs, yes, you're gonna need more carbs. If you're using more fat, you're gonna need more fat. And uh, you just wanna. The secret is, or the mystery is, like figuring out what am I actually burning. Mm-hmm. So you um, you just gotta figure out. Everyone's different, you know. Even the activity does not dictate it enough. So you gotta consider your genetics. You gotta consider the actual little details of the food you're eating, how well it digests with you. You gotta consider your allergies, your sensitivities, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, putting all the technicality aside, I just tell people. If you're feeling sleepy after a meal, mm. you're probably not balanced. And that's how I go about it. If I'm feeling sleepy after a meal, I know it's uh, my body is. That's a lot for my body that's to fun. handle. Yeah. And uh, either I'm going to sleep after, or if it's the middle of the day, I shouldn't have ate that. I should have ate something else that was more balanced, right? I see. Being unbalanced once in a while is fine too, but mm-hmm. you need to be, uh, you know, preparing for that. If you got the weekend to like process it, and you know. Or if you're eating that late at night, I I purpose I actually think eating late at night. But uh, if you're physically active, your your body will be able to process it. You know, a lot of people don't like to eat late at night. Mm-hmm. But uh, given uh, high metabolism and that uh, you're actually going to burn that fuel the next day, then uh, it's definitely no problem. So give us a little insight when you were traveling, right, to the different gyms and to different parts of the world. Uh, and interacting with their local fighters and stuff. Is there any kind of uh, go-to meals or is there any kind of special meal that's supposed to like make you go super gorilla? Uh, to be honest, no. Like in, uh, no no specific meals that fighters I would say go to, but uh, we all we all eat clean. That's the, that's the main thing. Okay. That's the main part of the game. You just want to eat clean ingredients and that's it. Even if the macros are a little bit off or whatever, if it's clean, you're going to be good. Okay. Uh, no, no pesticides, no chemicals. So no just, snake hearts or no like lion's eyeball or anything. <laughs> you know this one. I, I'm still discovering that stuff. Okay. Uh, I'm sure there is stuff like that out there. Okay. But one that I know already from you is that beef liver. Yeah. Every since ever since you cooked that beef liver for me, I I eat it and I it's like I can feel my veins just pumped up or like you can feel the blood pumping. You know, it's a, it's a very nutrient dense meat, so I love it. Yeah, organ meats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not for vegans, uh, but it it is one of those lost art where um, people used to prepare a lot more, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a difficult thing to cook compared to like eat. regular muscle, right? It's not you're not steaming chicken, you're not grilling chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just take liver straight from a pack and try to grill it, you're gonna it's gonna be a mess. Oh yeah. Um, so for anybody who is interested in cooking liver. The best way to do it is uh, you should blanch it first. So hot water, boiling water, dunk it in. So let the muscle kind of seize and congeal so it becomes more solidified. And then afterwards, you could cut it and portion it off and then 
put it in whatever you like. If you want to grill it, if you want to fry, if you want to, you know, make tempayaki with it. So what are you dunking it in initially? Oh, uh, just hot water. You hot blanch water, it. Yeah. Like you could season the water, make make a bit salty. So that's gonna help with the flavor. Um, other type of uh, preparation for it and from different culture requires it to be marinated. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you're a fighter, uh, I don't think marinating it. is gonna be your top of the priority. Um, so Want that food now? Yeah, quick as fast as possible. Yeah, blanch it, um, grill it, bake it, and uh, it all comes down to seasoning, right? If you have a good sauce, something mm -hmm. to go with it, it's fantastic. Would you recommend a really simple sauce that I could use? Or for other fighters could use for the liver for fighters um my, one of my favorite things to go for is uh cumin and coffee because coffee, uh yeah. a lot of fighters drink coffee mm -hmm. and they like the caffeine kick and uh when you use it as a seasoning you get the flavor which is nice but you don't get necessarily all the caffeine leaching into it mm -hmm. uh, it complements cumin really well for dark meats and organ meats is really well uh, on the usual suspect onions and garlic you could use those as well but mm -hmm. coffee i find because the seasoning is already bitter it helps to offset the potential bitter flavor that you get from the liver mm. which makes it a little bit more palatable nice it's kind of like in fighting you got to beat it to the punch right if you know that someone's going to throw uh, a particular attack at you and if it's a if it's a hook and then you're going with a straight you know there's that timing mm -hmm. right you get there beforehand Right, right. I'm using coffee. Cool. All right, coffee and cumin, guys. Coffee and cumin. Coffee and cumin, and uh, watch out when you weight cut, and uh, <laughs> don't, don't, don't stay balanced. Right, don't, don't kick, kick yourself off. The, Relatively uh, balanced. Find the balance for you. That's the key. All right. Don't listen to other people's bullshit. Find your solution, your own solution. Okay, so that comes to the end of our segment. Um, let us know what you like about the episode and anything you like to hear us discuss in the future. Uh, for our next episode, we are going to talk about cooking and more specifically how fighters typically cook and <laughs> the do's and don'ts of cooking. So that's a nice segment into the liver aspect. So thank you everyone for staying with us and listening to our conversation. Um, Richard, is there anything that you want to add? Nope, that's it. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. See you next time. Okay, subscribe, link up. Catch you guys later. All right. <laughs>